please pronounce your names correctly for me? So our name, both of us, are Francesco Urbano Ragazzi. So the one name for the two of you. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. We decided to merge our names a long time, long time ago. Because uh, as you know, in Italy, there is uh, an arte povera artist called Alighiero Boetti. We decided to split into two identities, Alighiero and Boetti. And somehow we wanted to merge our uh, minds and our beings Uh, and generate this collective mind called uh, Francesco Urbano Ragazzi. I want to know, when did that happen? How did that happen? It's like, give me some background on that. Uh, it was 2011 or 12. Uh -huh. We were, um, and we had that, it was not the beginning of our career, but uh, uh, it was like a very, very important turning point. Uh, we were doing like a, a show that was like a signature show in a sense, because it was about the, um, the in it was about the legacy of um, LGBT plus movements in the in the art field, uh, and it was the first um, institutional exhibition in Italy about this topic. Uh, and so, and in a sense, it was very connected to our personal history and our uh, common. Uh, Uh, mission and so we said okay we should find a way to to make it simple uh, and so we said okay we have, we have to merge our names and then of course the internet came and helped us because uh, of course it was the best way to found ourselves on the internet so instead of repeating Francesco Urbano Francesco Ragazzi Francesco Urbano Ragazzi was the solution all right I mean, not to pry, but like, are you all in a relationship or is this just like a marriage of profession? Both. Both. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. <laughs> Great. So now you all are the, have been, were you, I guess, the, please educate me. Were you chosen as the uh, curators for Leoff or did you submit proposal? How did this come about? Yes, exactly. There was uh, an open call. Uh, an international open call so um, the curators were asked to submit uh, a project a draft of for for a biennial uh, and to to propose uh, uh, workshops and activities involving the local community here uh, and so we we submitted our application and then we won Do you do a lot of these kinds of submissions and stuff? Actually not. It was like, um, really, I mean, we, for some reason, we were attached to this place uh, for um, like uh, memories from our, from our past. We were not, at that time, we were not together. But when I was, um, uh, when I was a teenager, I came in, in the north by, by car. And uh, I didn't uh, have the chance to see the, the Lofoten, but I wanted to. And for yeah, him, well, in my case, uh, my parents were obsessed uh, with uh, Northern Norway when I was a child for reasons I don't know. I was going to say, uh, like, why? So I, um, I found myself uh, for five summers Uh, at the Lofoten, uh, in the Lofoten Islands, and so I have these strong memories about this place. So we said, uh, no, we, this is special, we need to, to apply. 
Okay, side note, just as another thing. What do you all do like when you're not a director of a, or the curators for an international art festival? What, what other uh, jobs do you all hold or roles do you have? Uh, we uh, curate exhibitions ma mostly or projects. We, um, we uh, are also publishing books. Uh, wait, wait, literally like you're a book publisher or you like write books? Write books. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, and, uh, or publishing ed too. Yeah. editing books. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, uh, we were directing the, the archive of a feminist artist uh, called Chiara Fumai uh, in Italy. And also we, we were often working with uh, Jonas Mikas, the filmmaker. Um, but also we are we are we have our own uh, uh, project like a sort of platform which is called the internet saga and uh, it was like a, a sort of research platform uh, and sort of company for producing art and so we did many exhibition series into this uh, label wow okay i had no idea so this is good all right now when you put your submission together, so like, because I'm always interested, because like I'm an artist and I submit to, you know, festivals and things like this. Yeah. How did you sort of craft it? Because it, it, oddly enough, you all actually had the, I guess, luxury of actually having been here before and had experiences or at least close to it anyways. And so like you, I'm sure you had some, I don't know, like a little extra something in your application that, that they sort of seem to have recognized. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Probably. I, I don't know what what it was exactly. You never uh, asked? But... Uh, <laughs> I would have asked. Uh, yeah, no, somehow uh, I, I think it, it was also because uh, of our past projects. Uh, because LIAF is uh, a, um, a nomadic uh, biennial in the sense that the curator is asked to choose not only the locations, but also the city where to locate. Uh, the, the entire biennial uh, and we um, in our past we we developed a series of exhibitions uh, in uh, non-museal spaces uh, so in uh, uh, let's say common people places uh, somehow uh, trying to fight uh, the value uh, of uh, autonomy that uh, affirmed itself in the art field uh, with with modernism so we tried to uh, to curate uh, um, yeah exhibitions museum exhibitions in places uh, uh, such as uh, a fast food restaurant or a supermarket, a jail, uh, um, uh, the internet, uh, the auditorium of of, this, of CERN. Of CERN uh, yeah, you said that. Yes, I want to ask about that too. <laughs> okay, uh, and uh, since LIAF uh, is uh, is based on uh, intervening on. Uh, uh, in places that uh, have already a value for, for the community and the, that have a nature which is not a, 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 the nature of a museum, I think they thought we were able to respond to, to their, uh, yeah, to the spirit of the biennial somehow. Also, the people from the board told us that um, uh, the, um, the very, the many of the, um, the application 
were about um, standard topics of contemporary art like Anthropocene, uh, uh, you know, very... Yeah, I mean, well, uh, that's so last year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all these keywords that you can, can even immediately associate to this, uh, to, the, to Lofoten. Okay, so what did you apply? What was your, the, the sort of the topic or the, I don't even know how you would, what topic, I guess, mm -hmm. yeah? Okay, what, yes, how, what, um, how, what, what we, we started from a narrative uh, um, because we, we were thinking about the, the Arctic. Uh, we, we were reading, um, uh, there is a recurring, uh, a recurrent image about the Arctic. Uh, so since uh, the 15th century, uh, this land has been described uh, as the door of heaven. Uh, probably because of the uh, twenty-four of the hour light, sunlight, twenty-four yeah. hours light, etc. But, but it's it's somehow a pattern, and this kind of description also uh, entered the first uh, three chapters of uh, Frankenstein. Uh, so we wanted to uh, dig into this image and uh, uh, somehow uh, make an archaeology of this image. And we found out that Mary Shelley actually wrote Frankenstein uh, during a pandemic, during a cholera pandemic, uh, which started in, uh, in Indonesia, uh, traveled through southern China, uh, through the Middle East, and then finally in Europe. Um, and so uh, Mary Shelley, uh, PCBC Shelley, Lord Byron uh, and John Polidori, their physicians, and also Mary Shelley's sister, decided to pass, uh, to spend some time uh, together in a villa in Switzerland, Villa Diodati, uh, reading uh, Gothic novels. And among these novels, uh, there was Phantasmagoriana. Uh, so the... Uh, the story is quite long, but anyway, we started from this collection of uh, uh, Gothic novels uh, that actually generated uh, the two monsters of modernity. So Frankenstein from one side uh, and the vampire, um, uh, which is uh, uh, a short novel by John Polidori, uh, which also inspired Bram Stoker's Dracula. So we were very interested in this idea that an artwork can generate another and then another and then another, uh, so spreading like a virus. So these images uh, somehow evolving and, uh, and creating other images. Well, uh, so and, and the even beautiful connection to like that all of that went on during a pandemic and now you're also sort of equating this festival after a pandemic kind of thing so like there's also that nice correlation as well yeah we really wanted to understand uh, uh, what are the monsters of our contemporary age somehow so it's somehow a question we are asking to the artists we are inviting to to leave 2022 and also we are some way inviting the artists to embrace their monsters interesting topic also i like it all right so you got accepted okay but now so give me a timeline on this like how much time did you have to propose and then once you've been a, a sort of a, approved then how long have you been working on this project and then quite honestly how long will you be working on this project the first uh, proposal to liath uh, was um, was sent in uh, 
at the beginning of 2021, right? Uh, yeah, it was last uh, last January. Then, uh, after three months uh, or two months, we had like the so in March, we had uh, like a first interview, uh, and then after the interview, we had uh, a second interview. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which was in May on in April, and after this. We, uh, we, we, yeah, we, we accepted the job, uh, let's say, and started working immediately. Mm -hmm. And just to be clear, this is obviously a very paid position. I mean, this is not some sort of like in trade for or anything like that. So, like, mm -hmm. so it's, it's your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. I'm just you know, making it perfectly clear. Because Norway is very good with funding the arts. Like, I love pretty much all of Scandinavia for, like, all the arts funding that they do. So, like, these are very well... I, I guess, is is the whole LIAF project, would you call it, like, well-funded or, like, pretty good funded? <laughs> no, it is It's well well funded. Yeah. It's... Uh, uh, this is incredible because it's most it's public funded i love so it that's uh, <laughs> i will say pure luxury <laughs> indeed uh, in a sense <laughs> but uh, and then so so they they have like a public system uh of that 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 works and this is uh, it was for us like um, a very interesting system to 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 approach and uh, but for, from uh, from the other side, we discovered that, for instance, uh, they don't use to. Uh, to uh, I mean, they are not so so into like um, I don't know branded collaborations or uh, sponsorships, sponsorships and partnerships. Or, uh, yeah. I don't know f f funding from collectors. This is very very distant from uh, the Norwegian and the Scandinavian perspective. Interesting, because I would imagine that's very European. Mm -hmm. Like I can think of many exhibitions sponsored by BMW, Mercedes, Ferrari. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, trying to throw a little Italy in there. No, here they can uh, like uh, uh, keep a, a different position in the sense. Well, is that a, a, a good thing or a not good thing? In the fact that the government is sort of involved in it, like are there any sort of standards of ethics or morals of like things you can or cannot do because it's government funded? The, the transparency is like uh, the main value. So all the um, the way how fundings are uh, used and uh, is I mean it's important to have a certain control on it, uh, and also of course uh, to spread uh, certain values that can uh, of course can't offend people and and so on. Uh, but then uh, and then that's 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 fair. Uh, of course. Uh, um... Yeah, but we weren't forced to go in any direction. So I think from the point of view of an institution uh, is a very good thing because uh, it allows you to, uh, yeah, to go in your direction somehow in, in, yeah, in the, in the purposes you want to, uh, yeah, to accomplish somehow. Uh, from an artist's point of view, is maybe a little bit different because uh, uh, you are forced to approach certain teams somehow. So to, um, yeah, you are mm, somehow you are uh, forced to uh, give social value to your artworks. Uh, 
uh, and not all uh, the, the artworks uh, need to be socially valuable uh, to me. So at least directly socially. Directly, valuable. exactly, not directly. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, there is this difference uh, between uh, uh, being an institution and being an artist in this system. All right. So, so speaking of the artists then, so how, like, bear with me because I'm not a professional curator, maybe amateur slash rank amateur. Like I, I can curate, but I'm not a curator. Like you all are literally full-time curators. How do you start the process? So like you had this idea, this is sort of based on the phantasmagoria and then the trickle down from that. So then what's the next step? We we started, I mean, collecting names of artists. We, we were like connecting to our topic or our concept or our story in a sense. But now, but was this like any artist in the whole world or was it like, did you start with maybe people you already had connections with? Like, cause I'm always interested in curators, like basically how do they find their artists? Mm -hmm. So like, is it like mm -hmm. you did a, a Google search, uh, a Instagram search, or literally like went through your personal past history of like friends, colleagues, and people you've exhibited before. How does that work? There were multiple, um, lists. Um, because on, on one side, on, from one side, we were, uh, of course, thinking to also because of this story of uh, like the Villa Diodati of people that are very close to each other and they are sharing like uh, this, this, challenging each other to to write a novel. So we wanted to invite very close friends. So they are part of the show, of course. But then uh, we, we we were also thinking to. Uh, we, we had like different um, different path, so we were also uh, collecting names of artists we wanted to work with uh, related to this mythological uh, aspect, and then also um, we had uh, we had a lot a, a lot of research on uh, the the artistic scene in Norway and North Norway and in the in the, in the Sami area in the Samsa. So we discovered a lot about the art scene in uh, in uh, in the north, uh, and it was uh, we we received like something like 200 portfolios. So we had the time and uh, the the possibility to discover a lot. Well, okay, wait, that makes a different point. I didn't even ask that, which is, did was there like an open call for artist submissions, or was it only like you all just sort of chose what you know whatever you chose? So like, what, or was there some mix of both of those? We had like the um, we had the possibility of um, we we are giving a grant from uh, the capital of culture Bodo. I love it when we can just give money out. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to select people from the region. And um, and then many we received some some portfolios by uh, open call, but then also some friends or colleagues were like just suggesting or sending like uh, some some thoughts or some suggestions. So we discovered many things through through this suggestion. Actually, I'm sure as curators you will get plenty of suggestions of artists throughout your life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're constantly like, hey, look at my portfolio, like kind of crap, right? All the time. Yeah, but it was just good, I think, to, 
because anyway someone uh, sending a portfolio to you maybe finds a connection with your practice uh, so it's uh, uh, it's worth uh, giving a try and look look at the portfolio Absolutely. Okay. So, and this is something I love to understand about curators because every curator does this a little bit differently. So it's like when you're looking at an artist for inclusion in, let's say this project, because that's what we're here to talk about. What were some of the criteria slash the thought pattern about like, yes or no, or maybe, because I'm sure that's sort of how it started and then sort of whittled itself down. So like, was it, like because you had to choose some from a particular region some could be from anywhere in the world but was it medium based was it like concept based was it you know like what were some of the things that sort of entered your mind and and sort of helped with this process at some point you start to associate uh, the artist to a specific mood that it's even different difficult to describe so sometimes we were like discussing among, among us and we said okay this is not so phantasmagoriana we can cancel him uh, or her but uh, i mean you can recognize uh, uh, the mood which is maybe in this case was really related to uh, a certain attitude to to work uh, starting from isolation and uh, also the way to uh, approach the um, reclusion or state of reclusion in a very uh, creative way was something that was for us the the really the the, 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 the criteria that we we had to follow and uh, so it came really uh, spontaneously in a sense we could recognize the attitude just to be clear, is that like the the, the title for the uh, this year's festival, Phantasmagoria? Uh, Phantasmagoriana. Okay. Okay. So so that's uh, but like so when you're looking at artists, was it always about like the, the, you know I sit back, I'm a, you know as I say I'm an artist, so like I make submissions, so like I put together a portfolio and then I have to write a bunch of bullshit, you know, kind of stuff. Then yeah. I have to submit it, I have to do my CV and all that kind of shit. <laughs> it's, it's just like, but when it comes to like your side of it, is the what's the like the first thing that strikes you? Quality of the work, then the statement, or some combination of the statement and the work, um, the CVs. Like, what are the criteria that makes it so that you're like that person has that special thing that will be work beautifully in this project? Mm. I don't really think that for us is the CV, but Great. rather the pertinence to a context, and also we really want to go against the coherence uh, and homogeneity and homogeneity uh, so we try to mix uh, artists from different generations from different backgrounds uh, uh, very well-known artists uh, with uh, artists uh, uh, nobody knows even known artists uh, so uh, somehow things or um, uh, I don't know, images that not belong necessarily to, to contemporary art. Mm. So, yeah, our, our idea is always to, to break the, the temporality of the contemporary somehow, to, to, to state that there are uh, different um, history lines uh, going together. Sometimes they touch themselves, sometimes they simply go 
parallel tending to the infinite uh, and that's it so uh, for, for us it's really important to uh, represent the complexity of reality uh, so it's uh, it's more a wider vision rather than picking one single artist and I have to say that uh, often the choice doesn't come from um, from the portfolio or from the, um, the CV but mostly from the artworks so from like uh, the personal experience or, or even mediated by the screen uh, of the of the artwork yeah speaking of that how like okay in in the old days pre-pandemic <laughs> so not really that old days the curators would often do studio visits now of course these days you can do virtual studio visits but like it, it does that really work as well or do you still need to do studio visits or or do you just sort of ju you find works based on like digital image submissions I actually uh, like studio visit online studio visits yeah yeah because I'm more concentrated I can really keep the yeah a certain level of uh, understanding you <laughs> and, can o you're o you can only look at whatever they point the camera at yeah yeah that's good because i when often when i'm in the studio uh, i i can get lost for some details or the the mood itself of the studio can some way be overwhelming <laughs> or some way distracting me in uh, in a sense the the online studio visits are very good and you don't spend so much time so it's also <laughs> very practical yeah you don't get lost and all kinds of stuff yeah and then uh, if you i mean if you as an artist are able to uh, to use it uh, as a stage it can be very very effective that's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, so it's almost a little bit of a performance to, to, to really say like, you know, this is my work, this is not, a, and this is me, you know, like, so the, the little performative nature to it. I like that, because I hate virtual studio business. <laughs> so I like the, the change of the perspective on that. that, that's helpful. Now, so how long did it take you to do this choices so like you started off i'm sure with hundreds of options you said there were a couple hundred submissions and then so like so how many months did it take and then sort of what were some of the processes of like whittling down to the help me out like so like did did you sort of take those few hundred submissions and then just say these are the how many people did you end up choosing how many artists are there in the the final selection 33 33. So how did you get from massive selection and all your Rolodex down to 33? It, it was important, uh, actually, the, the, as a second step, uh, the, the, the crucial step was to, to find the locations because we couldn't work on this uh, ideal uh, level of the exhibition, but uh, it was important to, uh, and, and that was the, the second criteria in, of the selection. Right. So just so the listeners understand, so that means that they, that both of you had to travel from Milan all the way up here just to look at the potential venues, which there were how many potential venues for you? Infinite, <laughs> of course. And uh, also at the time, we had to spend like 10 days in a, in a hotel in Oslo because of COVID, of course. Oh, so you had to go through with like COVID restrictions before you could even come here. Yeah. But did, then, then did you have to do that also on the way back as well? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's 
Yeah, painful. so it was like, uh, I mean, you really had to be motivated to, to, <laughs> to come. And we, we had to be, I mean, at, at, at the end, we had just one week <laughs> to spend in the islands because it was, I mean, too time consuming. <laughs> 10 day, 20 days just in COVID restrictions back and forth. That's a lot. Yeah. But I mean, what people don't seem to understand, because we're here, so like we, we have a little bit of understanding, but like this is an entire archipelago. Like there's a whole series of islands that are connected. There's, and then there are towns and villages and cities, maybe cities. I mean, might be generous mm -hmm. on that, but the, the, and, and you could choose from any of them. So like, how, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, we started the exploration with a uh, with a team of the NNKS, the, the, the art center here in Insolver, and they they basically <laughs> gave us the car and uh, came with us in, around the islands. Yeah, we uh, started driving. Uh, we drove for about uh, six, seven hours, uh, uh, all uh, all through the archipelago. Uh, so from Svolver, which is the city where you land. Uh, uh, with the with the plane to O, which is the basically the last city uh, of the islands, and from visiting cities to cities, we started to understand also how people move, uh, uh, because it was important also to understand the practicalities. So, how these people are living, uh, what's culture for them. Uh, how do they move? Is it difficult or not to uh, to move from one city or the other? Right, because uh, I mean, some of the cities and towns are closer to, let's say, the airport. Some are closer to, because uh, I know since I'm here that there's like an art school here. So, you know, some are closer to that. Some are farther away. So, like, what were some of the reasons why you ended up choosing the particular town? Is it a town or a village? Uh, or a town. Let's say town. I'll go with town. Kabelvog. Yeah. And uh, it was for two uh, main reasons. One of them is uh, the, the film school. Uh, there's a national film school there, uh, an excellence in educating to, to moving images. Uh, and it was important for us, uh, me, uh, the, this institution was meaningful to us uh, because uh, it was a community of young people deciding to spend three years of their, of their lives uh, here in, in Lofoten. Uh, so it's one of the few communities of young people coming from abroad uh, uh, and uh, spending some time here without being tourists. Uh, so we really wanted to collaborate with them uh, and uh, uh, using also the, uh, the biennial as a tool for promoting this, uh, this institution. Also because when we arrived, uh, the school really risked to, to close uh, because uh, they lack uh, national fundings. Uh, and so basically in our first trip uh, we occupied the municipality together with the students uh, in order to, to ask uh, uh, for the school to stay open. Uh, so this is the first uh, reason and the second reason is that uh, Kabelvog has a strong history of resistance uh, to the uh, Nazi occupation of Norway. Uh, so in Kabelvog uh, all the teachers uh, who opposed to the Nazi regime uh, were uh, 
uh, were imprisoned, uh, were, were sent to Kabelvog and, and imprisoned in, in a labor camp. Uh, but they were also able to start a protest uh, and they got uh, uh, liberated uh, uh, during World War II. Uh, and uh, uh, among uh, the, the people imprisoned in Kabelbog, uh, there was also uh, Kurt Witters, the Dada artist. Uh, as you know, he started building uh, his uh, Merzbau in, uh, in, in Germany. Then uh, uh, he, he was uh, uh, forced to, uh, to escape from, from the Nazi regime. He landed in Norway. He rebuilt the Mar a second version of the Merzbau. The Nazi occupied, uh, uh, occupied Norway and uh, he was imprisoned in Kabelburg. Then he escaped uh, in Ireland uh, where he finally uh, built a third uh, version of the Merzbau, uh, which is now uh, destroyed, uh, which were also which was also destroyed. So uh, we were interested in this artwork that tries to live, tries to survive, uh, and we connected all these histories, uh, and and so that's why we are in Kabelvog now. Yeah, I'm a stupid American. I didn't know any of that history. Like so, that it, that's impressive quite honestly. But there's also the connection with the the uh, the war museum here in Slov... Slo I'm so bad with pronunciations. What's the name of the city? Svolver. Svolver. The, the war museum here has an interesting historical art collection as well. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if this collection is... Uh, like very scientific, uh, but um, the, 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 the guy who's like, um, who founded this museum is very passionate, this for sure. And um, he built a, a, a collection in, in this uh, building, like, like in front of the, uh, uh, the art center. And this um, war museum uh, also uh, contains some very, uh, controversial pieces because they are like the first uh, I mean they are drawings from uh, Adolf Hitler um, a series of five or six drawings uh, and representing Disney characters uh, so again it's uh, I, again we, we don't know if it, they are fake or real Adolf Hitler's drawings, but uh, I will like the idea that, uh, that that could have been another possible story, <laughs> another, uh, another option, <laughs> in the, another possibility in the world of possibilities. That's, uh, to me, that's hilarious. <laughs> a, a, that potentially that could be real like that that did exist and Adolf Hitler actually did draw these things and B, that they're totally randomly in this random war museum in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> like in, in Norway. I'm just sort of like, why, how, how did they get here? Fascinating to me. But anyways, so how many times have you come, come back and forth through this whole process? Cause we're now, so, I mean, at this point, so you came during COVID. So how, how, how far into this process? Cause we're talking, let's say you started the submission in January, you were accepted in April. So we're now at only about a year and a half worth of, of a completed work at this point with still more work to be done. 
So how far, how far, how much, how many more times did you have to come back here? We came back in, in May, we came, we came for the selection of the, the locations in, uh, in May. Then again, uh, we came back in, uh, was uh, November. November. So in winter time, uh, so it was a, a completely another setting. And then, uh, uh, and then again now. So, I mean, not so much. Uh, we we spent a lot of time on the internet on, on online uh, meetings uh, and uh, so a big part of the process uh, was uh, online yeah we met the 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 team of the biennial uh, weekly but uh, only online and also we tried to make some uh, connections through the internet so we suggested some artists who work on specific texts uh, belonging to the Sami culture uh, and also profiting uh, um, of the um, help of a um, literature professor here in northern Norway so we tried somehow to uh, overcome the limitations of the pandemic, uh, creating connections uh, between people. The Samis have come up in previous conversations. So they, is there some distinctly unique characteristic to Sami produced artworks or versus, let's say, general Norwegian works or works from other places in the world? It's, it's hard to say, but... Uh, uh, Having studied a little bit the the scene, the art scene, uh, we can say that there are like uh, um, uh, there is a certain uh, uh, wisdom related to the to the nature and the the elements of nature that can come uh, and can be expressed through the artworks. That's to me the 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 the, the aspect that uh, uh, is a recurrent aspect that I can see in the artworks. Yeah, very practical connection to, to nature, but also uh, this uh, hallucinatory somehow relationship to, to nature. Uh, so, for instance, we were interested uh, in the first place uh, in uh, the theory of uh, Carlo Ginzburg, uh, an, uh, an Italian historian, uh, who uh, noted a connection between uh, the uh, the Sami mythology and some images recurring in witchcraft trials uh, uh, in, uh, in the 16th century. So he thought that uh, these images somehow traveled from the north to southern Europe, uh, somehow uh, creating a unity in, uh, in Europe before Europe existed. Interesting. All right. So when it comes to the, so now, now we're sort of going through the process here. So you've chosen a location, you've started, you know, refining your selection of artists. My, again, my stupidity and my ignorance in the whole process, some fest fair, I keep saying fairs, festivals, because there's a huge difference between a fair and a <laughs> festival. Some festivals will show uh, existing works or, or, and then some other fair festivals will put together commissioned works or sort of new uh, new works. How has this festival sort of balanced that or does it is it all one or all the other? Uh, we are showing and I would say producing mostly new works uh, like 70% I would say. 
Um, then we, we had some works in mind that were, were part of a discourse that was important to, to keep. So, for instance, uh, Jonas Mika's work, it's not a new commission, of course, but it's like a, a, a new point of view on his production in this context. So, uh, and, and it became in some way a statement for this uh, Liaf. But also being here, it was very important uh, uh, for us uh, to work in a, uh, in a sustainable way. Uh, so we we always have this uh, had this in mind, uh, uh, both working with uh, uh, new commissions and uh, and old works. So, for example, we thought. Uh, um, because sometimes uh, ecology or sustainability is only a, a topic in exhibitions, uh, but we wanted to be very practical. Uh, so we thought a lot uh, um, about artworks that, uh, that, that can be uh, monumental somehow uh, without, uh, uh, without uh, creating, uh, be, be, without being heavy in terms of carbon footprints. Uh, so we, we thought a lot about uh, textile artworks or artworks that are transportable, uh, artworks uh, that uh, um, are made on paper, for instance, uh, or can be uh, transmitted uh, um, uh, or, uh, or generated through instructions uh, uh, or even produced directly, uh, directly here. Um, so it was. This was the uh, the main value somehow we we followed in uh, in commissioning new works uh, and selecting old works. And also, this is connected to the to the venues because we we didn't want to build like temporary structures, which is also another top another issue that often Wasteful. comes with the temporary events. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we, 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 we didn't want to, to build like this kind of uh, pollution. Uh, so we decided to, 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 to use the venues as they are without adding uh, fake walls or... I have to say too, like I saw the, some of the locations you all chose. Like the, the black box is a beautiful black box. Like it's a gorgeous space. But then you have this this old rundown uh, school that's going to be demolished, I believe, after the the event. Correct? Let's hope so. <laughs> I love the idea of using a, a, a space like right before it's being demolished. I've had many experiences in my career, like having that opportunity, and it is so much fun because you can really. You, you like it's not just that you're just placing something in a space because you can break walls, tear up floors. Like I mean, you can do things that oftentimes you can't do in a a, a more traditional space, which is magnificent. It's true. It's true, and it's like in, in the Merzbau, <laughs> it's something could survive. Hopefully, even if we destroy the space, even if uh, we have to stretch the identity of the artworks and to work on this projectivity, because sometimes someone is sending instructions or sometimes uh, uh, we have to just project works uh, or fax and so on. Uh, this can, uh, I mean, uh, even if you stretch a lot the, the works, uh, there's something, there is a matrix that can 
rest that can stay that can be like uh, resonating in the for the future hopefully so you actually have people who are just going to be sending instructions like soloit kind of way yeah we have like uh, we are presenting actually a, a masterpiece from uh, from the from Stan van der Beek who was the one who in some way invented the expanded cinema and uh, we are showing like a piece uh, uh, related to to uh, yeah male art in a sense so it's like um, a series of facts uh, fac facts drawings that are producing like a, a wall uh, wall painting in a sense I don't even have a fax machine I wouldn't even know where to get a fax machine <laughs> these days <laughs> so much fun all right so the sustainability is an interesting question because of the logistics of this uh, location because like you know either the artist has to come all the way here and or the shipment of art has to come all the way here that's a that's a kind of a nightmare to me like to, to have this entire I mean you said 33 artists that some of the stuff is coming from very far international distances customs weather all kinds of different things that like could does any of this concern you <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that the artists uh, um, were immediately embraced the, the, the way we were working uh, and uh, for instance, um, uh, Emma Talbot from London uh, immediately got the sense of the project and uh, decided to send just a tube with uh, some huge silk uh, drawings. And then uh, we... Yeah, and the final sculpture is uh, 30 meters long, for instance. So... That's a big the, tube. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also a quite small uh, package somehow. Uh, so she she worked uh, thinking about it. Uh, it was not the work was not produced specifically for Liaf, but she had this in mind. And also with um, uh, Tebe Fetogo from Botswana, uh, we were very scared about the yeah the transportations, but uh, we we discussed with him so. We thought that the best way of working was to produce the canvases and then to 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 to, to, to yeah to, to to send them and to frame them here in Lofoten with the help of some painters. So the, and and it, it will come for the opening, so we, we can like uh, take care of this process, uh, following some way his own work. What, how many different countries or regions are going to be included in this, the entire finished product? We have artists from Oceania, from, uh, uh, from Asia, from uh, Taiwan, uh, the Middle East, Middle uh, East uh, 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 both North Africa and South Africa, uh, so, yeah, South Africa, uh, the US. Uh, I love how you looked at me when you said that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, we we I mean uh, um, we cover different regions, uh, which are some way connected with the story of Fantasmagoriana. So I mean uh, they are not all com connected or not directly connected. So in a sense, it's a um, the ge geographical. Um, link it's uh, is some way uh, related to this uh, literary 
<laughs> well, but and and I wonder this again, sort of as a, the outsider looking at a festival kind of thing. Like, was it intentional? Did you say we need to make sure to get some some artists from each of these different regions, or did it just happen that way? No, and it wasn't. Uh, I mean, uh, it was um, in in this case was very spontaneous. Okay. So it came uh, from this first selection, from the method that we wanted to approach, and then. Um, and then step by step uh, the, the the list came some 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 artists uh, couldn't participate i mean it's also something that can happen uh because i mean uh, the time it's not that long uh so for previous uh, invitations or other uh, engagement you can for, for artists can can't be um, available for instance uh, there are artists who are participating to other biennials for instance, there, are, there were artists participating to the Venice Biennale, and uh, and in in those cases, artists uh, as like a, some sort of uh, priority. Yeah, I guess Venice Biennale would take priority over the Leoff. Nothing personal, Leoff, but yeah. But how long? So you just mentioned like how long time period did artists have from like when you said yes we would like you to be included until the expectation of sort of finished results showing up here we invited all, all the uh, most most yes most, most of, of the, the artists, artists. Uh, last summer so right. so less than one year yeah. or oh, one year approximately a year to complete it mm. it's reasonable i would think i could be totally wrong i don't know but I mean, it take for me. It takes me three to four months to finish one piece these days. So, like, I totally understand how a year could not be enough. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, okay. But and then it was sort of is there was there any sort of rain like desire because again, like I I keep thinking back to like my own sort of curatorial stuff and and also like the expectations of institutions or or sponsors or partners in this space in this case governmental things like was there any sort of thing of like gender uh, representation or any other sort of sort of criteria like that as far as representation or even uh, medium representation so like you wanted to be sure to have some video some painting some sculpture like were there any other sort of things that went through your mind of like in trying to have a broad sense of things or not that's uh, that's uh, for sure is important in uh, at both for for in for the on the media side uh it was uh, the show it's very a cinematic show and also related to the a certain media archaeology so we are talking about cinema and we are in a film school so the, this 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 aspect came immediately and it was central makes in, sense yeah then concerning identities or uh, political representations this is this is something that we always try to keep in mind because it's part of our way of thinking or uh, of uh, interpreting life so it's I, I, I we try to be like very spontaneous but uh, to have like a certain regard as the French will say on this aspect mm -hmm. but it came uh, later we checked the list uh verifying that uh, somehow we were not uh, biased uh, yeah or unbiased so yeah. or unbiased <laughs> yeah. uh, exactly 
can I just say something about the two of you that I love is that like you all have this great, I wouldn't call it a banter, but like, you know, when each other has finished saying what they're saying, you know, not to interrupt each other. Like you have, the, it's really good. Like, cause a lot of people <laughs> would you. talk over each other and interrupt each other and disagree. And stuff. You all have it like really sharp. Like, yeah, it's like, uh, the way we are like dealing with the, our Multi multiplicity shared and shared identities. <laughs> so we are learning day by day how to 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 manage this aspect of our representation. And it, it's sharp. It's sharp. Like, I wish my wife and I were as sharp as you all are on this, but yeah, we're not. All right. Um, so as as you're coming down to the wire here, more or less, like so, your this is your I guess last visit before the installation, right? Yeah. Okay, you've been going through the logistics of the the, the spaces themselves. Now that you've had had access, you had like you, you even did three D renderings. You so you so you had th sort of thoughts and ideas. So like, how is it sort of coming together? Like, are, are are things working the way you hoped slash expected, or have you had to make adjustments? Like, how is this process, the sort of the finalization of the process, coming together? We had to adjust, of course, uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Uh, that, I mean, there were also very disappointing moments. Uh, so, for instance, we um, one of the challenges challenges that we had during the during the um, when we decided to to do the the show um, was to invite uh, a TV series to be part of it. Like, uh, like an artist, but being a TV series. And the TV series is a very important TV series, actually, uh, that uh, was, uh, was written and conceived in, uh, in Norway, but then was spread all over the world. And this TV series is called Scum. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know this TV series. It's for teenagers, okay. basically. Okay. So it's good that you don't know. I am not. I am. Not, I am not their demographics. I got it. Okay. But yeah, actually, it's a cult series because I mean, it was based on uh, a very peculiar um, writing process. So they had to to research a lot to do interviews to to young people, and so the series is based on on research. Uh, and this uh, this makes the series very interesting, and also all the uh, new versions of the series in other countries are originated by this series of interviews. So all the versions are different. So in a way, it was mythological. Uh, also, the the process uh, of the, the 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 production of the TV series, and we were very interested in how uh, a new uh, myth came from uh, from Norway, um, which not often export <laughs> products, uh, also in uh, in the, in collective imaginary, uh, and so we we invited them. We had like I don't know how many meetings. Uh, but then, uh, after like six months of negotiation uh, with a, a, like a TV channel, not, not with, uh, with just one, one TV. Yeah, broadcast, yeah. So, I mean, they were like a, a company uh, and uh, maybe they were too company, too cooperative. So they said, okay, we love the idea. But so uh, we wanted to show all the, um, uh, the trailers from all the countries in order to see all the differentiation. Uh, 
and but they said okay this is too time consuming for us because uh, we have too many uh, loyal aspects to manage uh, in order to to make this possible in a show okay <laughs> but then uh, so after many months of discussion that can be very disappointing yeah it is i mean there are so many times where you like you hope and pray you, you plan for something you hope for something you, you you expect something to happen and for whatever reason it falls through and and then you have to rethink same thing i, I you, at one point you had another space as well that you had desired and there was some difficulty with getting yeah, that the church we wanted to <laughs> to set uh, part of the exhibition uh, in, uh, in, in the main church uh, between uh, Svolver and Kabelvog. So we had a very long uh, negotiation with, uh, with the bishop. <laughs> and then uh, they asked us to remove the artworks uh, uh, at every baptism, funeral, marriage. So it was impossible for us to, to set up a show uh, in these conditions, uh, and uh, we we had to to abandon this uh, this location. But luckily enough, we found the uh, black box at the school, so we we managed to. Uh, yeah, maybe it's even better not to have the yeah. church. <laughs> so okay, so moving forward from here, so like you've still got. Let's see, what is it? three months no two months three months three months from this recording three months uh to sort of finish and complete and install the entire thing well first of all we never even talked about like how long is the festival up and available to be seen one month one month it's from september 3 to october 2 2022 Great. September 3rd is my birthday, so that's very exciting for oh, me. Amazing. Let's celebrate together. Yeah, I know. I'd, lo I'd, love to, I'd love to come back for the opening. Wouldn't that be great? I'll have to get another grant for that. But yeah, so the, it, it's going to be still coming up. So there's still con concerns, I'm sure, sort of things that could potentially go wrong. But let's try and keep it a little bit more positive. So like, what is, what is it that you're sort of optimistic about and hope will, will not only like work out well but then like what's the what's the hope for the festival so like i know that students are involved very involved here so like what's the is is it for tourists is it going to be on social media are you going to be doing like youtube videos of it like what how is this you know because it's in a bit of a, a, a out of the way location but yet you want to make sure that the the public can be as involved as they desire to be so like what's going to be done to sort of encourage that it's not, for us it's not uh, so it's not central that you are here for the opening um, i still want to be but that's fine i mean <laughs> yeah, you are welcome yeah, and you are are welcome but uh, uh, we 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 are not so we, we don't believe so much in the presence uh, at all costs uh, as said we like also the online studio visits so uh, and we we feel that if um, you have a, like a, a substantial narration this can be spread and uh, and like have like a another life through media 
uh, and this is the case. Uh, uh, so we like the idea of having a great ex opening here in Kabelwag, uh, sharing this moment with the people here, uh, also um, involving people that are not often so connected to art, uh, to the art, uh, contemporary art. But in this case, we, we like the idea also of having like uh, multiple narrations that can, can go. Uh, from the from starting from the show and that's the reason why we also opened a preview exhibition in Venice and in Oslo so we we had like a, a, a multiple presence we didn't even touch on that you want to take a step back to the to Venice and talk a little bit about that too uh maybe yes yes when it, well, yeah. oh wait okay I'll give you a leading question on that how did that happen <laughs> Because <laughs> you know, I mean, you're doing an international festival in Norway, and then suddenly you're like, "Oh yeah, let's do this additional part to the exhibition in Venice." How did that come yeah, about? Because we we really wanted to think about uh, uh, biennials in themselves, uh, and we truly believe that Liafa is now one of the most interesting biennials uh, in, in the world. Uh, not because of us, but because of the history of the institution, because uh, they started in, uh, in 1991 uh, and immediately thinking about new ways uh, uh, and more sustainable ways of producing uh, biennials. Uh, and also uh, they uh, were focused on merging uh, uh, local artists uh, with uh, uh, the international scene. Uh, so these themes, uh, that, uh, these topics that nowadays uh, uh, are quite central in the artistic discourse uh, globally, uh, started here somehow uh, in, in the 90s, at the beginning of the 90s. Uh, so we wanted somehow to, uh, to approach the topic uh, going uh, to the mother of all biennials uh, and trying to confront uh, her somehow. So we decided to go to Venice uh, uh, like uh, David with uh, Goliath. Somehow. Okay, but wait, just to be clear, who decided to go to Venice? Did like the Leoff propose it to you or did you propose it to them? How did that even happen? It was part of our project. Uh, uh, since Liaf is a nomadic exhibition, we wanted to expand this nomadism and uh, go first uh, to Venice and then to Oslo for then uh, coming uh, here, finally in Kabelvog in, uh, in September. So we wanted to conceive our Biennale as a journey uh, somehow from south to north. And uh, as you probably um, experienced, the, the Norway isn't, and the Norway in particular is not that good in communication. So the so if as said, they are very good in public fundings, in uh, uh, creating like a, a sense of community. But on the other side, uh, the way they are communicating themselves is not the, uh, so impactful. Uh, so and for us, instead, is like the. Uh, one of our main uh, goals uh, when we work as curators so we and this was like a good match because we want to empower to empower certain certain values that uh, here were like very present and so uh, we thought that Venice was the, the right place to start the narration and uh, yeah and uh, 
it was like a, an hyper challenge because in that case we were the show happened in a and it's still happening it's like it's, it's a permanent installation in a in a prison so again we were working with a, a, a like a particular community in this case was like the community of the female inmates of the prison of Convertite in Giudecca and uh, we had the time and uh, despite Covid and all the restrictions that of, of course came uh, we had like the third wave until January uh, 22. Did you have another 10 days in a hotel there too? No. No, 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 no <laughs> But we had the prison, so it was like uh, we, are, we were under the, behind the bars. <laughs> and, um, uh, but uh, you, you can imagine all the, uh, the technical uh, restrictions that we had uh, for this not allowed to bring a knife in to clean anything kind of stuff like no apparently knives are the easiest thing to uh, to bring into a prison and the director told us uh, we need to count all the knives uh, before you start working and at the end uh, but don't worry you can uh, take the knives with you <laughs> unfortunately we didn't need any knife but <laughs> It's good to know that the process is in place, though. That's great. Yeah. So, so, so you did this two-part exhibition, though. So there was the prison, and then there was a second part to the exhibition in Venice. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, the, the Palazzo of uh, Two Collectors. So we really wanted to... Um, yeah, to work in two spaces uh, uh, that were totally opposite. And from one side, uh, we decided to uh, nobilitate uh, the, the parlor of the prison. Uh, so we asked the inmates to choose a place uh, that needed somehow to be improved in some way or another. And they chose uh, the, the room where they meet uh, with their families, their lawyers, uh, uh, their children, etc. So we wanted somehow to nobilitate the space for them to, uh, yeah, to, to, to create a community, to work together. Uh, and on the other side, we wanted to uh, make the uh, the space of the privilege, so the, the, uh, the, the palazzo of the collectors, uh, a, a dangerous space, an uncomfortable space. So somehow to, uh, to reverse uh, the nature of these two places. Yeah, and the two artists, Pauline Cournier Jardin on one side and Tommaso De Luca on the other, were really subverting the roles of those two spaces. Uh, so we had like um, a, a sort of uh, representation of social masks in the prison, which was uh, a, like a permanent installation about this uh, subversion of roles. Uh, because the, in, in basically all the process was based on uh, drawing sessions uh, related to the representation of the guards or the nuns, which were in the past. Because you need to know that the, uh, the Convertite prison uh, was uh, a, a monastery. Uh, it's, it started its activity in uh, 1570, uh, and then uh, after uh, World War II, it became uh, a, a, a female prison. 
So for centuries, that place was just for women uh, in a state of reclusion. And we wanted to some way uh, create a sort of party uh, ballroom for them. And it, if Pauline was able to, to, to build it uh, together with them, having, creating like, a, uh, also working on this, uh, on the preparation of a party in a sense. So they were like uh, uh, dreaming and uh, asp aspiring to this party. And the preparation of the party was based on drawings. And all these drawings are there in a sort of fresco and in an animation that is, will be there for hope for decades or centuries. And on the other side, Tommaso uh, was invited to, uh, to create this uh, uh, uncanny feeling in uh, in this uh, very comfortable uh, of, uh, place of comfort that the, the palazzo could should be, and uh, so he worked on traps and uh, on uh, how the traps can be uh, some way the the counterpart of the design, because often we we design you uh, you have to prevent the some uh, uh, some dangerous. Uh, um, happenings then uh, through the, the traps you actually <laughs> uh, embrace the danger yeah. you create a danger yeah, yeah. so in, in this case uh, the, the traps can be sculptures can be uh, can become uh, self-portrait in a sense self-portrait of destruction <laughs> so that was the, the, that part of the project and the, the two projects were called something out of it so it was uh, also a way to, I mean, it's about strategy or survival. All right. And then Oslo? Oslo, uh, it will be a solo show by Kenneth Goldsmith. Wait, you're saying it will be? Uh, yes, because it's opening on uh, June 9th, uh, okay. 9th. So next week. I was going to say, like, <laughs> today is June 3rd. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and it will be um, a solo show by Kenneth Goldsmith, an American artist and, and poet. And during the pandemic, uh, he, he found himself uh, alone in his studio. So he decided to start a very simple exercise. Uh, he started uh, retyping uh, one book. And then this action of retyping uh, uh, became uh, the desire of re retyping an entire library. Uh, so in, uh, in Oslo, at uh, Kustnernes Hus, uh, a, a museum in Oslo, um, Kenneth will uh, exhibit about 200 uh, retyped uh, books. And the, the, these books are uh, like a, a sort of retracing, tracing a sort of uh, uh, ideal community so they are like uh, friends uh, gathered together friends. imaginary friends gathered together uh, through through this act of retyping and um, yeah this will, uh, of course this is like linked to the appropriationistic practice of, of uh, Kenneth Goldsmith who was also the founder and still is the founder of UbuWeb so this uh, pirate uh, shadow archive dedicated to avant-garde films and poetry any last thoughts I guess on the on the sort of 
finalization of of because like that's what you were doing today literally mm-hmm. like you were you were placing things in space thinking about the logistics of like how to hang project install all this kind of stuff so like how are you feeling confident about the 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 what you have sort of you know because like curators you sit around and you think you dream you idea you know you you conceptualize something but then the reality of putting it together. So like, do you feel like it has fulfilled your initial idea? Has it exceeded it in some ways? Like where has it landed in the end? Yeah, I mean, we are confident, but uh, of course the the time, uh, it's a matter of time, definitely, because uh, uh, we have to, you have to consider the, the holidays in Norway, for instance, which are in uh, in uh, in July. So, for instance, just to give you an example, but uh, we had to order all the technical equipments for the films and video and uh, installations, like uh, uh, screen-based installations. Uh, all these equipments had to be like uh, booked, like have to be booked like next week. So, at the beginning of June, uh, because uh, otherwise they couldn't arrive. Yeah, I know. Just to be clear for the listener, when you, when you say holidays in July, you mean all of July. Like much of Norway is either closed or on vacation or whatever. Like the people just leave. You know, and like I've been in France. Like in what was it, late July, early August or whatever. There's like two weeks in there where like Paris shuts down. Like there's just nothing. And Norway is very similar in that way. So like we're you, you're not jokingly saying like a holiday because like. In America, a holiday is a day. <laughs> exactly, nice. <laughs> Maybe a weekend if it's an important holiday, but like it's a day. But like when you're saying July holiday, you mean like the whole month of the July. So like you actually have to like plan very far ahead if you expect to get anything in August. And we will probably spend the entire August here in order to fix all these details that can be some way lost in these holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hope to recreate also a community of artists uh, uh, like the one in Villa Diodati in, uh, in August. So we are inviting artists at different times uh, to work together with us on the setting up of the show. So. So the artists, most of the artists, I'm going to say not all, but most of the artists will be coming up here, probably staying here at the residency where we're, or sorry, it's not a residency. I, I did that before. It's a um, guest house. Mm-hmm. Guest house. Guest yeah. house is what they like calling it. So here at the guest house, which has a studio space where they can be working as well as then also being able to do site-specific works as well. So a number of artists will be coming for a number, a period of time in order to actually either produce or sort of complete the works, let's say, here on location. Yeah, we will. Uh, 20 artists will probably come for this wow. last phase. And, uh, and we like the idea of having like a finally... A, like a, a communal moment, no? Because we didn't have it, and so this is uh, um, maybe like the little utopia of being all together here in 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 the Highlands and sharing this uh, the troubles, but also the the excitement of the, um, the, the the installation process is surely the best moment to. And also, of course, economically, technically, is was the logistically, it was the the best uh, the best way of dealing with the, 
with time and uh, and the limits that we had sure yeah all right any last thoughts you'd care to share about uh, the future of uh, Leof? the future of Leof? no we hope it's uh, it will be a long future <laughs> for okay, sure okay. that was a po- <laughs> that was a poor phrasing your version of this year's Leof. our version uh, uh, now to, we we hope to really create a community uh, somehow, and uh, uh, we we hope to have made the uh, uh, connections uh, with the artists, uh, but also with uh, uh, professionals or experts we we involved uh, in uh, in this project. Ah, for instance, uh, next week uh, also uh, Rafael Analdi Rosano and Oland Oswald Dennis are uh, um, leaving for uh, for a trip uh, on a research vessel uh, working with microbiologists uh, so again uh, a, a sense of community uh, starting from a condition of isolation and so we hope that uh, this spirit will be kept uh, uh, until the end of our uh, of our show and even beyond yeah i think that this uh sense of isolation that you can probably feel it feel here uh, and the, for instance the students we are working with at the school are surely approaching these all these feelings because they are very autonomous in their programs uh, they have to but they are I mean being of wanting wanting I mean aspiring to being an, be artists they are also in a in a young people with troubles and uh, being isolating in the islands can be very very hard so in a way we are learning from them also uh, some strategies uh, so again uh, it's uh, is is more about how uh, people can build their own lives uh, inventing methods and strategies and this is what we want to to that 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 this kind of wisdom we want that can be spread and continue and keep keep on well fabulous thank you very much thank you thank you before you go we would like to thank you for listening all the way to the end of the conversation we also would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends families co-workers and even studio mates anyone with an interest in the arts and creative industries. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community both today and in the future is at the core mission of this podcast. They can listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014 and the music was created by Pete Bybee. The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunstcentrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com. Thank you.